This podcast is brought to you by the Specialty Produce Network. Hi there, and welcome to the Living Local with Edible San Diego podcast. My name is Katie Stokes, and as publisher of Edible San Diego, I wanted to welcome you to a new and important conversation. San Diego County really is a global crossroads, and when you think about it, it's true all the way down to even our very own bodies. In this podcast, we're going to take this concept of we are what we eat, and we're going to unpack it together. We're going to look at what local is, how it works, why it matters. My goal is to create a conversation which is inclusive, dynamic, and one that enriches our everyday life. So I wanted to welcome you to this new conversation, Living Local with Edible San Diego, and to thank Specialty Produce for producing this podcast. This is Katie Stokes, publisher of Edible San Diego, and I'm so excited for this episode of the Living Local podcast. I'm here with Catherine Zimmer, who is the City of Escondido's Tourism and Marketing Manager at Visit Escondido. We're really happy to have you here, Catherine. Thank you so much, Katie. I'm excited to be here. It's it's really fun. Catherine and I go back a few years. Uh, she has real broad and deep experience in helping localities really shine. And I wanted to have her on this Living Local podcast to, to shine a little bit of light on one of the communities up in North County. Catherine has worked in tourism. She's worked with Chambers of Commerce and Marketing and Business Communications and has a lot of perspective to share with us. So, so get ready for a really fun conversation today. I wanted to start, Catherine, by asking you about what first motivated you to move to San Diego? Well, I've been back down here for about eight years. I was here in, a, in previous lives. <laughs> I'm not going to date myself. Um, <laughs> But it was family all the way. Mm-hmm. I, my mom was with me up in Napa Valley. We moved down here to be closer to my brother, who's lived in Escondido for over 30 years. And his son is in Marietta with his beautiful family. So it was just time to kind of get closer to family and move back down into SoCal. I see. And so what are some of the aspects of this region that, that make you feel at home? Well, you know, I had a lot of memories from being here, from being in San Diego for a long time in the past, um, and coming back down here brought back a lot of those old good memories. Um, but having a job that allows me to engage in community is something that is I'm always passionate about, helping mm-hmm. other businesses thrive and kind of always with a marketing aspect. Um, and being in the visitor-centric side of things with arts, restaurants, attractions, um, some really unique events up in North County. Yeah. All of that kind of just makes me feel at home and and that I can have an impact on that. I love that. There's a I know you're a, a kind of the queen of networking and building partnerships and I want to talk about that a little bit more later, but tell me a little bit more about what's unique about Escondido and, and North County in terms of the the kind of the, the character of the, you know, the area up there. You know, it has a really eclectic mix of different things, and I love the ruralness of it still. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of open land. Um, Vineyards are thriving. Of course, the avocado groves, all kinds of citrus. Escondido was known back in the day for its agriculture, 
and it's still thriving. So a lot of the restaurants and local businesses can leverage that. They can buy locally. Um, they can supply their restaurants with that. And you don't have to go very far to, you know, get your hands in some dirt, which I think is awesome. <laughs> That's really cool. I mean, isn't it true that with the history of Escondido that it was a kind of a, a kind of a market node for that whole part of the county? Pe- farmers from a, a long distance around that area would, would come to Escondido back in the, in the 19th century to mm-hmm. sell their produce, right? Yeah, absolutely. And they built the train depot there. Yeah. And it was the hub for transportation for getting all of the produce out into other areas. Yeah, so it's a, it's a community that has truly, truly deep roots. And, and speaking of that, you know, with, with Edible, we, we think about, <clears throat> about food a lot, and of course, and, and food memories and, and what food means to all of us. And I, I wanted to ask you whether you might share with us whether you have any food-related traditions or memories in your family, or even more recently, that, that, uh, that, that kind of come to mind. Yeah, that's a really great question. So my mom raised my brother and I um, with her cooking, and she was really what I would think would be ahead of her time. So, you know, way back in the 60s and 70s, she was making us what we called as kids green spaghetti. Green spaghetti? Green spaghetti. (laughs) So it was this dry, green, you know, kind of leafy on just regular plain old spaghetti back in the day and come to find out that was pesto. Wow. So she would go to, she found this little teeny tiny Italian market and she found pesto in little tiny cans Mm -hmm. and she brought it home and opened those cans up and dumped it on spaghetti and we ate green spaghetti and we loved it as kids. So, you know, everybody thinks that that's like the new pasta, you know, pesto pasta and all Mm -hmm. that. But yeah, we've been eating that for a really long time. Another thing that she would do, um, oftentimes for more special occasions was she would make her artichoke chicken dish. Ooh. So again, artichokes, a little bit ahead of your time for a you right. know single mom raising a couple of kids. But that was a classic dish, and she made it with white wine. And, of course, that cooks out when you're a kid, right? Right. So that's not a problem. <laughs> that's what they say. <laughs> that's what they say. <laughs> um, and back then it was called rice pilaf, uh-huh. so, which is kind of making a retro comeback now as well. Right. Um, yeah, and even more recently, I I always love Thanksgiving. I love turkey dinner, and so I would always ask for that for my birthday in August. So we always would get turkey dinner in August. Nice. Which is super fun. But yeah, I started working in restaurants when I was really young, back in the day when you could work when you were 14. Right. And worked my way from dishes and mopping floors and food prep up to waitressing and actually line cooked for a while. So... I think that everybody should work in the food service industry when they're starting out. Yeah. It builds character. It does. It does. You, I, I did that too when I was in college. And, you know, I've always had that in mind whenever I go out to eat, you know, what it's like to actually be working in the kitchen or, or waiting tables. So, yeah, that's really yeah. awesome. Absolutely. We even did a thing back in Pacific Beach in the 80s where we made food in our kitchen at home, um, lunches, sandwiches. She made her famous brownies. All kinds of fun stuff. And we were actually food hustlers. We'd go to industrial parks and sell it out of baskets. I didn't so, know that. Yeah. So back in the day, before there were even little cafes in the industrial parks, we were selling our lunches. And we made a good living at it, too. That's amazing. And I had heard something about Kahlua balls. What, tell, tell us about the Kahlua balls. Kahlua balls. Yeah. <laughs> so she's been making those for a really long time. And it's kind of a take on a um, – what's the other thing? that Like a the little uncooked – where you make you mash up the cookies, mm-hmm. and she'd mix it with Kahlua. I think rum balls yes. is what it used yes. to be. Um, and she would uh, chop up 
nuts really small, mix it all together, roll it in a ball, and then roll it in powdered sugar, put oh, it in the fridge. With Kahlua. Uh, so good. That sounds amazing. So good. You, did you bring any? No. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'll put an order in for you. Though. Yeah, we actually sold those for a while, too. I'd get little white boxes and stamp them with Ava's Kahlua Balls Especial. Oh, that's so special. Yeah. You guys were food hustlers. We I were. love that. We I were. learned something new about you today. That's awesome. Um, you know, and then um, also to, you know, uh, I know that you've lived in different parts of the state of California, and I wondered if you'd tell us a little bit more about just, you know, kind of like your, your background with food as you got older and developed new interests. Yeah, so I was born in the Bay Area, um, up in the Redwood City, Santa Clara area, and I've moved and lived and traveled all over the world, and I uh, actually moved down here eight years ago from the Napa Valley, where I'd stayed for about seven years and I was in the chamber industry and tourism up there as well. And I just, I think I really got a renewed passion for food while I was up there. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously all the wineries and all of that great market um, of tourism up there. But the food and the restaurants, I mean, the Michelin star restaurants, yeah. and, you know, I got to help promote and and work alongside some of the most famous chefs Wow! in the world, like Chef Keller and um, different people, and watch some up-and-coming chefs mm-hmm. happen, and they do you know, film Top Chef and things like that up there, but just kind of just, you know, boots on the ground from the sidelines, watching them work with their teams and create those beautiful plates of mm-hmm. food. And oftentimes just from the gardens that are outside of their kitchens and right. their restaurants, mm-hmm. that's kind of where I kind of got a renewed love and passion for all foodie things. That is so, is so vivid. And, and uh, you know, a lot of people bop up, to the Bay Area and the Napa Valley area for, you know, kind of culinary experiences mm-hmm. at different times of the year. So it's really neat yeah. that you were so deeply involved there with, uh, you know, with chefs and, and uh, different businesses yeah. in, in the region. It really showed me the artistic side of it, I think, more. Yeah. You know, not just food styling, but the art that goes into the creation of a dish. Mm-hmm. And you told me before that you had a you had a garden when you guys were little, right? Yeah, my only real garden, um, I think I was about 16. We were living in Idaho at the time, and I had a little patch of dirt out in the backyard. We had a house up on the hill, like kind of the last one up on the hill. We used to have to snowmobile down to town to do our laundry, and it would, oh <laughs> and it would freeze by the time we got back up. But I grew corn was my big thing. I did a lot of root vegetables, but I remember the corn because I would harvest it and dry it for the winter. Wow. So I would dry it in the oven. There weren't any special machines mm-hmm. countertop for that back in the day. And then we would eat it all winter long. Wow, that is really cool. Yeah. So you were a farmer too, or gardener among <laughs> yeah. you have many talents. Kid amateur, absolutely. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Well, I want to make sure to, to spend some time talking about your work um, in tourism for the city of Escondido. And I want to make sure to invite our listeners to check your website out at, at visitescondido.com. It's a wonderful website. It's so thorough. There's Thank so you. much information there. I love the way the information is presented in a very experiential fashion so you can quickly figure out like what are you feeling like doing and then and then zoom into that information mm-hmm. so yep. I want to make sure that folks know that that's a, a resource for um, whether you live here in San Diego County uh, or maybe over the holidays you have people coming in town to visit and it's just a really uh, efficient way to find out some new fun destinations to to try so um, tell us, Catherine, in your capacity as, as director for the tourism office there in Escondido, why, why do people come to San Diego County? What, what are they interested in when they come here? 
Well, San Diego County as a whole, obviously, beautiful weather, the Southern California kind of laid back lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the primary draw are the beaches, the downtown area, mm-hmm. um, the food and the arts in that culture as well. Right. It's my challenge to get them up to North County Inland. Right, right, exactly. I mean, I, I lived in Escondido for almost 20 years and, and, uh, I've driven all over all over the county, and and uh, you know that perception of distance is something. Mm-hmm. But when you think about it from another view, it's really close. It's it's within a, mm-hmm. a very short drive, and and I always discover new things when I'm exploring different parts of the county, up in the north or in the east and South County, and uh, it's a it's a very diverse place that we're lucky enough to mm-hmm. call home yep. here in San Diego County, and I I, I hope that you can. Share some nuggets um, now in, for our listeners in terms of things for them to to look for and to do around Escondido. So, so tell us more about what we should know about visiting Escondido. Well, as you said, the first thing that you should know is that it's not that far away. Mm-hmm. So the drive, it's only 30 miles and a good traffic day. The Interstate 15 is an amazing freeway now. Right. Um, so getting up there and coming into Escondido is pretty easy. We've got a lot of great transit. You can take the rapid 235 bus and get up there. Um, but once you get in there and get into town, the you know just all over Escondido, but in the historic downtown district primarily too, there's um, a super eclectic mix of different mm-hmm. culinary experiences. Mm-hmm. So you can obviously really amazing Mexican food, um, but anywhere within a couple mile radius, you can get Vietnamese, Middle Eastern, Asian, mm-hmm. French, um, some really yummy French food, and a lot of family owned, chef owned. Local restaurants. Um, we've got a new sushi place opening up. We've got Southern Comfort food right mm-hmm. across the street from the visitor center, mm-hmm. um, as well as you know amazing American California classic burgers and craft beer and right. all that kind of stuff. Of course, Stone Brewing. I call it their home tap is right. there in the bistro and gardens. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty fun. There's so there's so many things. I mean, we really don't have time today go to go into all of it, but. But uh, if you check out Catherine's website, the City of Escondido's website for Visit Escondido, you'll see how many different choices there are for things to do up there. And one of the ways I like to tell people about Escondido is that you can take your pick of the different kinds of attractions there are, whether it's the safari park or a winery or some kind of amazing um, show or event that's taking place at the California Center for the Arts. Absolutely. Or maybe you're doing a, uh, a a historic walking tour on Mother's Day or some other day of the week. There's so many different things to do in Escondido. There's the San Diego Children's Discovery Museum, for yeah. which I have a special affection <laughs> as founder. Um, and then you can, you can make a half day or a full day out of it by also – Going out to eat, yep. you know, and so yep. parking the car one time or having gotten off the train or, or the bus, you can have a a walkable experience mm-hmm. that is uh, like a sampling of the world. And, and uh, it's really unique. I, I just love Grand Avenue. It's mm-hmm. a historic um, cityscape and, and there's so much going on there every time I go up. So lots of great shops. We even have a new comedy club that just oh. opened last weekend that's fantastic. How I've, fun. I haven't laughed that hard in ages. Oh my gosh. That's well, see, there's something new. <laughs> and so, um let's zero in on food. Um tell us just a little bit more um some of your favorite um destinations um uh you know, we're, we're, about places to go for a quick bite. Um well, right next door to the visitor center is Burger Bench, which is coming up on their 4th year anniversary, I believe, and their food is amazing. Um, Miko Sushi is opening up right across from us as well, which will be new. 
the Grand Tea Room, you know, which a lot of people know about it because it serves traditional high tea, but they're, they've become really well known for their dinner theater, live theater, huh. and they're doing a um, Clue on stage. So the old board game Clue, mm-hmm. which would be pretty fun. That's coming up in March. Nice. Yeah. So, and uh, you know, Peterson's Donut Corner still has a line around the block, right? Which is which is really great. So, just a lot. Kennedy's Meat Market, which has right. morphed into this amazing Mexican food mm-hmm. place that's just on the East Valley Parkway. Yeah, I've been there. Yeah. And gosh, there are there are more events that we have time yeah, to touch on today. There's a chocolate festival in February, and the the Dino Escondido happening in the springtime. We'll we'll be promoting that with Edible San Diego, hopefully. But you know, to to all of the listeners, I, I really want to encourage you to to keep North County in mind when you're thinking about a place to go out to eat or something fun to do. There there really is a wealth of uh, rich, authentic experiences to be had up there, and a lot of really hardworking people, whether mm-hmm. they're vintners or farmers or restaurant owners. Owners, small business owners, they're 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 there to to serve us all, and I I just think that there's a there's a lot of fun waiting for for those of us who will venture out of our maybe our day to day and and visit some of of the other parts of the county. Um, Absolutely, Small Business Saturday, the Saturday after Thanksgiving. That's right. Had a really great program happening with over thirty different businesses. So many great shopping opportunities yep. throughout Escondido. So, Catherine, gosh, thank you so much for your time today. What a pleasure! I knew I knew this chat was going to go really <laughs> fast, you know. And um, but I really appreciate your coming to talk with us, and and uh, we have an ongoing dialogue, mm-hmm. as you know, with Edible. San Diego. We really treasure your friendship so much and, and look forward to promoting Visit Escondido as much as we can. Thank you so ahead. much. You're it's most, been great. most welcome. Real quick, everyone, I wanted to share a, a, a gardening tip. I like to share a cooking or gardening tip with each episode. And uh, today I wanted to talk about something I call kitchen door essentials. Now, like l- most of you, I bet I've lived in lots of different places of all different sizes over the years. And one of the first things I look for is where I might be able to grow something. Sometimes I've had room for raised beds or a big garden, but not always. But I did almost always have space for at least a couple of pots outside my kitchen door. So what about you? Do you have some terracotta pots on your balcony or your patio? And what's in them? Southern California affords us with the luxury of a long growing season, which makes plants like tomatoes or kale act more like an evergreen shrub than what for most people is an an annual plant. And um, two things I try to always have outside my kitchen door are aloe and rosemary. Why aloe? Because it's the best thing for a burn. Now, hopefully that doesn't come up too often, but it's a Beautiful, compact plant, and it takes just seconds to whack off a little branch to soothe your skin if something went awry in the kitchen. And um, I just want to make sure, you know, I'm not a doctor, so please do not rely on me for medical advice, but I'm just sharing something that has worked for me over time, and I just wanted to, to you know, tell you about it. And the second plant I always try to keep outside my kitchen door is rosemary. Like aloe, it's as tough as it is pretty. Um, The flowers of the rosemary plant are a beautiful pale blue, which the bees and the butterflies love. It doesn't need much water and will take either a pretty intense pruning if you want to shape it in a certain way, or it will also spread out and provide some really nice ground cover. So besides pleasing the eye and the bees, I keep rosemary nearby as a pungent, rich seasoning. I stuff a few branches into a whole chicken to roast. I drop a few sprigs into any soup or marinara sauce. You can cram some into a bottle, fill it with some good olive oil, and take credit for some really delicious infused flavors when you make your next salad dressing. 
So as you can see, none of this is complicated. It's just about trying something new and integrating nature, local nature here in San Diego County, into your kitchen and your daily habits. So I think you'll enjoy it, but let me know. All right, with that, I wanted to thank you for uh, listening today and to thank Specialty Produce for producing this podcast. Uh, lastly, please check out ediblesandiego.com. We have a lot of new stories online every day, video recipes, resources for your daily life and for entertaining your visitors over the holidays. We have very active social media, a monthly newsletter, our beautiful magazine, and events. So thank you so much for listening today, and we will see you soon.